0: We're less than two weeks away from somebody walking in that door that does not know Christ, seeing that cross, that price, that salvation, and walking out a child of the king. I want us to be praying earnestly, God anoint us. God cleanse us. God use us. But there's two weeks right now for somebody to invite somebody. Somebody that's lost, somebody in their family, somebody that won't go to church, somebody that don't even want to be here, truth be told. But just to get somebody off their back, mom, grandma, boyfriend, girlfriend, auntie, uncle, whatever it is, somebody off my back. I'm going to go and they're going to walk in the door on the way to hell and walk out on the way to heaven because of the blood of Jesus Christ. It's an exciting time. It's always an exciting time. Every day is an exciting day. The tomb is empty 365 days a year. Our name is written in the Lamb's book of life 365 days a year. We're on our way to heaven 365 days a year. Nothing can bring back our past. Nothing can condemn us. Nothing can take us back to what we were 365 days a year. It's always a good time to be excited. Amen. But we're just coming into that season. And here we are, Exodus chapter 14. God has been over and visited with Moses on the backside of the Midian desert. He's over taking care of his father-in-law's sheep. And God comes and he says, I want you to go and I want you to deliver my people out of the bondage of Egypt. And he's done the ten mighty plagues, the miracles. He's brought them out. And I want to pick up here in verse number 11. They've come out across that little stretch. They've come through the narrow passage with steep ravines on both sides. And they're at the Red Sea. Nowhere to go. And Pharaoh has changed his mind. He's decided he wants to come kill the children of Israel. Exodus chapter 14, verse number 11. They said unto Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, has thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore has thou dealt with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we did tell thee, saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Moses said unto the people, fear ye not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you'll see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. I want to take just a few minutes this morning. I'm going to skim over a few books here in the Old Testament. but, But I want to focus on this one thought. How many times? God, thank you so much for being the God of so many times. God, you've never left us, you've never forsaken us, and you never will. Thank you, God, for the promise, God, that all of our sins are washed away. Old things have passed away, and all things have become new. Thank you for the promise of a day that's coming, when we'll be with you together forever. And all the saints will gather together as a family of God. Lord, I thank you for this day, Father, that we can gather together in freedom, God. We can gather together in safety as brothers and sisters in Christ. To Just come together to love one another and to love on you, God. We love you. You've been good to us. I ask you for your Holy Spirit to continue moving in this place. Will you speak to us, God? Teach us. Lord, I pray above all, may you be pleased with everything that we say and do. We love you, God. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, amen. 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 So here in the book of Exodus, God has heard the crowd, the Hebrew children. He's called Moses there. He's visited with him in the burning bush. And he's come and he's done the great miracles before all of them. And he's delivered them out of Egypt. But they murmured. He parted the Red Sea. They walked across on dry ground, got to the other side, but they murmured. They look back. They see the, the armies of Pharaoh coming after them, and, and God closes in the sea, and he drowns them, but they murmured. God gave them manna, bread of heaven, so they had food to eat every single day, yet they murmured. Not one single day did they ever go hungry. Not, not one single day did they do that because God provided every day. Yet they murmured. They got thirsty water. God gave them water from the rock at Horeb and it gushed out. But yet they murmured. God has brought them to the promised land. All they had to do was cross the Jordan River and possess the land. But the spies went over and they they spied out the land. And they said, oh, it truly is a land of milk and honey and ten of the twelve spies. All but Joshua and Caleb come back and said, oh, but the people are too big. We're we're but grasshoppers in their eyes, and the people believed the lies, and they turned away from this land flowing with milk and honey. They turned away from living in houses that they did not build. They turned away from drinking from wells that they did not dig. They turned away from eating grapes of the vineyards that they did not plant. They turned and went back, and, and they complained. All they had to do was trust God. All they had to do was cross the river All they had to do was take the land, but by their own choice, they turned away, back into the wilderness, and they murmured. God has done so many miracles in their sight, and by his strong hand, he forced Pharaoh to let them go. And here in our text, he brings them to the shores of the Red Sea to show them yet another great miracle. And they said to Moses, what, there wasn't enough places to bear us all in Egypt? There wasn't enough graves there, so you just brought us out here in the wilderness to to, to get us killed. I mean, mean, why don't you just leave us back there and just let us be slaves. Let us be beaten. Why don't you just leave us there? Moses said, don't let your faith fail you now. Somebody, you either need this or you're going to need it. Don't let your faith fail you now. Just be still and know that God is able. Just be still and know that God can. And God will. Just be still and see the salvation of the Lord because he will fight for you and he will deliver you again. Even in their whining, God showed up and protected them. There in verse number 19, the angel of the Lord, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud went before their their face and stood behind them. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. And it was a cloud and a darkness to them, but it gave light by night to these, so that one came not near the other all night. So as the protective hedge, y'all listening, as the protective hand of God went behind them to protect them, the provisions of God went ahead of them to provide for them. God, God the, the, first, the second song they sang, God went before them, behind them, beside them, all around them, within them. God never leaves anywhere unprotected in our lives. Verse number 22, the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon dry ground. The waters were a wall on them on the right hand and on their left. So in spite of this great miracle, they still don't get it. They still don't understand the power of God. They look, they see the Egyptians coming, and now they assume they're going to die. Note takers, you're ready. This one's for you. God never brings you to a place to fail you. God never brings you to a place to fail you. If God brings you to any place, it is to show you something even greater. If God brought you to here, God will bring you through here. Verse number 27, Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea. The sea returned to its strength. In the morning appeared, the Egyptians fled against it, and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the host of Pharaoh that came to the sea after him, and there remained not so much as one of them. But the children of Israel walked Upon dry land in the midst of the sea. And the waters were walling them on the right hand and on the left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hands of the Egyptians. And Israel saw. You need to underline that word in verse number 30. Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. Israel saw the great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord. And they believed the Lord and his servant Moses. There's no denying it. They saw with their own eyes. This isn't about faith, this is about sight. This is when we get to heaven and you no longer have to live by faith. You live by sight. They saw what God did for them. That's the end of chapter 14. You kick off chapter 15, boy, they're singing some songs now. Oh, what God did with a strong arm and an outstretched hand. Oh, what great and mighty things God did. And look how God delivered us. And boy, God killed the armies of Pharaoh and drowned them in the sea. And I mean, they're singing a song. By the time you get to verse 20 and 21, Miriam done broke out the temple and gone to work. And the women done gone to dance. And boy, they're having a the time. And for 22 verses, 22 whole verses They're praising and they're rejoicing God But they sang them up a thirst They danced out there till they got thirsty And in verse number 24 The people murmured Boy that didn't last long did it Verse number 26 Moses told him that God said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord, and wilt do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and will keep all his statutes, I'll put none of these diseases upon thee, which I brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. I am the Lord that healeth thee. They came into a limb where there were 12 wells of water, three score and ten palm trees, and they encamped there. Now I need to point out that's the last verse of a chapter again. There's 12 wells of water, 70 palm trees of shade, and they're gathered there in the last verse of the chapter. Two verses later, in verse number 16, the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured. It says that they murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would God that we had died by the hand of the Lord in Egypt. It's one thing to say right there that we wish we'd have just died back in the land of slavery. It's one thing to say, look, we wish we'd have just been beaten to death there by the Egyptians that treated us so badly. But it is another thing to glorify the horrible situation that God delivered you from. It's another thing to glorify the things that God has brought you out of. They said, we wish we had died in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and we did eat bread to the full. For ye brought us forth into this wilderness to kill us with this whole assembly with hunger. Well, that, that's not reality. Isn't it amazing how the devil can sugarcoat the lies? Isn't it amazing how the devil can, can, can disguise things and change things? Because that's not the story at all. That's not the story at all. If you go back to Exodus chapter 3 when God went and he visited Moses, the burning bush, when he's over on the Midian Desert and he's feeding Jephro, his father-in-law, taking care of the sheep and, and God comes and he talks to Moses to send him on this mission to deliver the people. Exodus chapter 3, verse number 7. The Lord said, I have surely seen thee. It ain't up there so you can't tell me what it says. Affliction. I have surely seen The affliction of my people, which are in Egypt, and I have heard, there it is. I have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. That means they're crying out to God because they're being beaten as slaves. Doesn't sound like to me they're sitting around eating a bunch of meat and bread. Doesn't sound like to me they're having such a great time, right? That's what they're saying over here. That's what they're saying in their complaint. Why didn't you just let us die there? God said, I- I've seen what they're going through. I- I've heard their cries for I know their sorrows. Verse number eight, he says, i am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey. That's God's plan. Somebody listen, God has already completed part A and he's taken them to part B, but there's a wilderness between the two. You got to cross the wilderness to get from where you were to where you're going. But old things did pass away and God has new things in store. God has taken them to part B, but here they are murmuring, complaining. God said to Moses, Chapter 16, verse 4, then said the Lord unto Moses, behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather at a certain rate every day that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. I mean, literally, the bread of heaven. God, I'm going to take the bread of heaven and give it to you on earth. I'm going to put it on the ground for you every day. You don't have to work for it. You you don't have to grow it. You don't have to cultivate it. You don't have to harvest it. You don't have to kill it and prepare it. All you got to do is go out and eat it. So Moses said to him, In the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, for he heareth your murmurings against the Lord. And what are we? That you murmur against us? Moses talking about himself and his brother Aaron, when you murmur against us. Moses said, This shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, for that the Lord heareth your murmurings, which you. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? God hears what? Complaining. God hears their murmuring, and, 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 he, says, and he says that he, he's going to come and give them bread to the full. He heareth your murmurings, which you murmur against him. What are we? Your murmurings are not against us. They're against the Lord. And in verse number 15, God gives them the manna anyway. They don't even know what it is. Moses said, this is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. Get over here, chapter 17, now they're thirsty again. Verse number 3. The people murmured, God said, take your rod, take the same rod. The one you threw down became a serpent. That rod that you parted the Red Sea, we'll take that rod, go over to that rock at Horban, smite it. And, and when, when he did what God said, water gushed freely from the rock so that all the people and all the cattle and all the beasts and everything drank to the full. So there's no denying that God is with them. There is no denying that God is going before them and around them and behind them and that God is meeting every provision and that God is taking care of them in every kind of way. Chapter 18, they come back to the land on the other side of the Midian Desert. His father Jethro is out there. Moses goes to him in verse number 8 of Exodus chapter 18, told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done unto Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake. And all the travail that had come to them by the way and how the Lord delivered Them. Jethro rejoiced with all the goodness which the Lord had done to Israel, whom he had delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who hath delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh, and hath delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods, for in the thing wherewith they dealt proudly, he was above them. Then then we get to the book of Numbers, and that's where we've been this week. We're reading the Bible through together in a year. And this week we're reading about the numbers. And you know what happens when you get the numbers? They're still complaining. But I want to make sure you understand what they're complaining about now. God has brought them out of Egypt. He is part of the Red Sea. They complained. They felt like they were hungry and God gave them the bread of heaven to eat every day. And they complain. God has given them this water, all the water that they needed from the rock at Horeb and throughout the wilderness. God has given them everything they needed in the provision. And they complain. He's given them everything that they need to bring them to the land flowing with milk and honey. And that's where they are now. They're over here at part B of God's plan. They're standing on the bank of the river that will take them into the promised land. They are standing at part B of the completion of God's promise to bring them out of that land and bring them into this land. They're standing there at the river. And and so Moses sends 12 spies over to check out the land. And they come back and they say, wow, what a place. Wow. I mean, man, you just got to see it. The, matter of fact, they brought back some grapes. They brought a cluster of grapes. And the cluster of grapes was so big that it took two men putting them on a pole just to carry them. And that's just the grapes. They said, man, what an awesome place. It truly is that land flowing with milk and honey. But then they said, but. Mm. but the people there, man, there's some giants over in that land. We, we just, uh, we, they, they said, they, they said uh, we were in grasshopper, as grasshoppers in their eyes. That's what they said. Those giants didn't say that. What we know from, from reading on and what we is we know that those giants feared them. Because they had heard about what God had done. And they were afraid of the people of Israel. But they're like, mm-mm, mm-mm. They, they saw themselves as grasshoppers in their eyes. So chapter 14, verse number 2, the people murmured. Look at what they're saying now. All the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron and against the whole congregation said to them, would to God that we had died in the land of Egypt. So that's where we were at, right? I mean, that's the one thing to, to glorify what God has delivered you from and, and, and say, man, if we were just back there. But now they're glorifying the wilderness that they were complaining in earlier, than back in Egypt. They said they went on to say, would God we had died in this wilderness. That, that's where they were Never they were complaining earlier. Never satisfied, right? So, so 10 of the 12 spies, saved Joshua and Caleb, only two said, we can take it. Let's just go do it. Our God is greater. 10 of the 12 spies said, mm-mm, mm-mm. they are too big. And here's, here's the key. Here's the key. They are too big for us. Well, that's probably true. But Pharaoh was too big for them. The Red Sea was too big for them. The wilderness was too big for them. The hunger was too big for them. The the, the thirst was, was too big for them. None of it was too big for their God. So why stop trusting him now? See, that was their mistake then, and that's our mistake now. Chapter 16, the people murmured. Deuteronomy chapter 1, the people murmured. On and on and on, the people murmured. The people murmured. Psalms chapter 106 gives us a bit of an overview. I just want to read an overview of what it all looked like for you here to the psalmist. 106, verse number 21, they forgot God their Savior, which had done great things in Egypt. Wondrous works in the land of Ham and terrible things by the Red Sea. Therefore he said that he would destroy them had not Moses his chosen stood before him in the breach to turn away his wrath, lest he should destroy them. Yea, they despised the pleasant land. They believed not his word, but murmured in their tents and hearkened the voice of, not unto the voice of the Lord. Therefore he lifted up his hand against them to, to overthrow them in the wilderness, to overthrow their seed among the nations, to scatter them in the lands. They joined themselves also unto Peor, ate the sacrifices of the dead, breaking the number one commandment, giving themselves over to idols, serving another God. Verse number 29, thus they provoked him to anger with their inventions and the plague broke in upon them. Then stood up Phinehas and executed judgment. And so the plague was stayed and that was counted unto him for righteousness unto all generations forevermore. They angered him also at the waters of strife so that went ill with Moses for their sakes because they provoked his spirit so that he spake unadvisedly with his lips. Verse number 34, they did not destroy the nations concerning whom the Lord commanded them but were mingled among the heathen and they learned their works. They served their idols, which were a snare unto them. They sacrificed their sons and daughters unto devils. shed innocent blood, even the blood of their sons and, and their daughters, whom they sacrificed unto the idols of Canaan. And the land was polluted with blood. And thus were they defiled with their own works, and they went a-whoring with their own inventions. Therefore was the wrath of the Lord kindled against his people in so much that he had abhorred his own inheritance. He gave them into the hand of the heathen, that they hated, they hated them ruled over them. Their enemies also oppressed them, and they were brought into subjection under their hand. Many times. You got verse number 43 up there? Many times did he deliver them. But they provoked him. Many times. They provoked him with their counsel and were brought for, for low for their iniquity. Nevertheless, y'all see that word? Y'all see that? In spite of all of it in spite of all the stuff and all the murmuring and all the, all the complaining and all the putting gods before God and all the offering sacrifices to other God and all of the, the, uh, the shedding of blood and all of the, the eating meats that was sacrificed unto idols, all those are abominations to God. Nevertheless, he regarded their affliction when he heard their cry. Amen. You done all that to me, you cry on somebody else's plate because I ain't got nothing to say to you. I got done a long time ago. I mean, I I I I turned you over to reprobate mine back about the second time. But not our God. He regarded their affliction when He heard their. Are you amazing? He's still even listening. I mean, all they do is complaining. What's He listening for? Because while we were still yet sinners. Climb up on the cross. He remembered them for his covenant and repented according to the multitude of his mercies. So I'm reading that this week. I'm sitting here reading all this in the Old Testament, and and I'm like, what are you thinking? Here's what I would love to think. Here's what I would love to consider while I'm reading it. I would love to look at them and say, how dumb can you be? How ungrateful can you be? How blind can you be? Could you not see what he did? You saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. You saw it. How how blind, could you not see God in every single thing that he brought you through? Could you not see God in the manna on the ground? Could you not see God in the water from the rock at Horeb? Could you not see what God was doing in the plagues against Egypt? Could you not see how God himself was fighting on your behalf? Could you not see the path that God was prepared for you when he made a way through the Red Sea? Could you not see that God was protecting you when he stopped the armies of Pharaoh behind you? Could you not see God in your life? How? How could you not see God in everything he did for you? And that's what I wanted to say. That's what I wanted to think sitting there reading this week. But all God would show me was the man in the mirror. I wanted to think about them. I wanted to look and read the story and think, my God, what are you thinking? But then God reminded me of some stuff. I have never slept outside. I've never slept in the rain. I've never slept in the heat. I've never slept in the cold. I've never slept outside of a house unless we were camping or hunting or something by choice. My entire life, I have had a bed to sleep on every night of my life. But I have complained because I wanted something else. I have never gone to bed hungry. I've never woke up hungry that I didn't have a selection of things somewhere in the house to decide what I needed to satisfy that hunger. But yet there's been times that I've complained. Pantry full of food. Refrigerator full of food. Money to go buy something else. And complained because it wasn't what I wanted. God God has truly blessed my life beyond measure. But there have been times that I've murmured. Things didn't turn out like I wanted them to. Anybody know what I'm talking about in here? Not by myself. God been good to anybody else in here? God, God blessed anybody else in the house in here? I just want to make sure I'm not by myself up here. I'm the one who in my life has overspent at times when things were good and then when the economy turns, things go bad. I'm the one that bought the stuff and I'm the one that couldn't pay the bills and now I'm complaining because I don't have enough money to pay it and it's like it's God's fault and now I'm sitting there reasoning with God. God, if I pay my tithes, I ain't gonna have money to pay my bills. What am I supposed to do? Let me tell you what you're supposed to do, pay tithes. I've created things myself and yet God has always made a way when it's nobody's fault but mine. You know the song, count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. So while I wanted to sit there and look at what I'm doing in this Old Testament, and and while I wanted to go, what were you thinking? Could you not see God? God said, you might want to take a look back and see where I brought you from. I remember back in the late 90s when I wrecked that motorcycle. Broke the collarbone, that was the easy part. Separated the shoulder, that was the easy part. Broke my shoulder blade. Broke two ribs, but here was the key. When they found the two ribs, they were broke right where they come off the spine with jagged edges. And they said, be be very careful about what you move and what you do. Because they're awfully close to the spinal cord. And if that jagged edge cuts it, you're paralyzed for life. Boy, it, it was that close. God, God reminded me, and here, here's the deal: I have murmured and I have complained since that day. I, I mean, they, they're telling you that that just a little bit close, a little bit more, you'd have been paralyzed from the neck down. You couldn't even feel your feet. But I complain if my foot hurts. Anybody with me? A few years ago, that those storms were coming out, and I was like a nut. Decided it'd be a good time to fish ahead of the storms. The fish ought to bite, but the fish had no sense to stay out of the weather. So I caught nothing, and the storm's coming, and I'm flying back down the river through a foot of water, and, and I hit a rock. And the boat came to a sudden stop, and my body forgot to stop. And I went head first out of a boat. Less than a foot of water in white water rapids, landed in it. That wasn't the scary part. The scary part is the motor's still running wide open. because like an idiot. I didn't have a kill switch on so if I'm in less than a foot of water and the boat keeps coming, guess what? But the rock didn't let go, thank God. But there's been times since that day, even though God saw fit to spare me through my own stupidity, there's been times I've complained. Robin and I, some of you know it a few years ago, we went down to Florida and all traffic comes to stop and we're sitting dead still and the lady behind us running 5560 60, never looks up. She runs into the back, drives us into the car in front of us, and drives it almost into the next car. Broke two vertebrae in her neck, broke two vertebrae in mine, three in my back. But God saw fit that we walked away from it. Never went to the hospital over either one of them. But yet we've murmured. Not to you, not out loud, not even to each other. Oh, but you can rest assured I murmured. I murmur when some stuff hurts, because that kind of stuff don't just go away. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Two months ago, just kind of put it all into perspective for me on Thursday. Two months ago, I fell off that bobcat, and just in a hurry, and it was slick mud, and that cross piece hit and cracked my tailbone, and that fork caught me in the rib, and it popped the rib out. I don't know, up under the shoulder blade, probably the same ones from the motorcycle wreck. 17 days later, I go to a, 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 whatever those people are, orthopedic. And, and they said it was broke and they put a splint on it and told me to be careful for a couple weeks. I go back in two weeks and x-ray it again and I've broken it worse. And he's like, what are you doing? He's living life. You put a splint on it. <laughs> so he, he puts his cast on it. And Thursday I find out if I've got to wear this for eight more weeks, if it's showing any signs of improvement, or they're going to go in in the next couple weeks and put pins in it. I don't know. I, but, but here's what I do know. You can rest assured I've complained. I, I have murmured about some stuff. I never knew I was a lot left-handed. Did y'all? Try living life with either hand. I, I thought I was right-handed so everything was good. But I'm learning that hand does an awful lot. We, we don't give the left-hand enough credit. So, so I, I'm inconvenienced. That's what I see. I'm inconvenienced. So Thursday, Robin's cousin, first cousin Dan, calls. We've been best friends for a lot of years. He says, man, I heard... I asked him a couple months ago. I said, yeah, it's all good. Man, my mom said, broke your arm. I said, yeah, it's just details, man. Can't play golf, can't shoot a bow. Not that I got time anyway, but it's just, it's different than not going to and, and can't. There's a big difference you ain't got time to because you're making choices and you can't if you wanted to. And, and I, he said, well, what happened? I told him, he said, boy, sounds like a buddy of mine. I got a buddy of mine on on an equipment company and he went out one morning, he hops up here on the the loader and he cranks and didn't know anything about equipment, trucks, loaders and stuff. We don't just crank that stuff and go, you crank it and you let it warm up a while. He jumps up on it, he cranks the loader and he sets his stuff and he gets to get off do some things while it's warming up and his foot slipped and he fell, just like I did. And he's paralyzed for life from the waist down. And I'm thinking, okay, the two... Ribs, they already told me about years ago. and Three broken vertebrae and two broken vertebrae. And and you hit the ground that hard. And I'm just a little inconvenienced. Y'all understand where where I'm going with this stuff? I I have a but God moment. I know what it could have been, but God. Now, now, see, that's not the way I saw it until it was pointed out to me. I, I see it as I'm hurt. I, I see it as an inconvenience. So here's, here's, what, here's what I wonder. I wonder how many of those almost stories there are in here right now. If you have an almost story in your life, raise your hand. See, there ain't a person in the place. There wasn't almost something, almost broke, almost paralyzed, almost severely injured, almost life altered, almost killed. There's not a person in here that doesn't have an almost story that ends in these two words, but God. That's where you sum everything up. So I I would love to look back on those people, but but I have to look because I have to wonder how many thousand, literally among this many people, how many thousand almost stories are there in this building? I wonder how many tens of thousands of murmurings there are in this building. Sometimes things happen. It just don't make sense. So we murmur. We we forget that God said, my ways are not your ways. My ways are higher than your ways. We, We forget that God said, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. We we forget that God brought us out of Egypt. We forget that God erased all of our sin, that God delivered us out of hell, that the smell of smoke's not even on our clothes. We forget that God picked us up out of all our filth and all our trash, loved on us, and he's prepared a place for heaven that he's gonna come again and take us to where he is. We forget everything that God's done and we get caught up in the right now, woe is me. Look at where I am right now. Look at what's going on in my life right now. I wonder how many Murmurs there are. See, we we never know what God is doing. We either trust him or we don't. They're standing at the bank of the Jordan River. God said, I'm gonna take you out of Egypt. We're gonna cross the wilderness. I'm gonna put you in a land flowing with milk and honey. He took care of part A. He took care of part C. And I'm standing right here at the Jordan River. And all I got to do is go over and claim it. And they're terrified of me because they know I'm going to. Because they've, they've seen. Isn't this crazy? They've seen what my God can do. But I ain't seen it. They've seen what God's done in my past. So they're afraid of me. But I haven't seen it. And I'm afraid of you. Isn't it amazing? I, I, I would love to, to, to look back at, at them. few years ago I read a story I I shared it with the church back then but number one most of you wasn't here back then number two God put it on my heart this week reminder to me so let me just share it with you real quick because sometimes you never know what God's doing so the lady was telling the story, and, and she had a young daughter, 9, 10 years old, and, and her daughter was sick. I don't remember the disease when I read it. I don't remember if it was cancer, but it was something that obviously carried some, some fatal possibilities. And the woman had raised her daughter in church. She'd done everything right. She had her there every Sunday. The woman worked in the church. She's one of those that was in that was on everything, and she taught Sunday school and helped with the children and helped. I mean, you know, you know, one of those, that if it's going on, she, she's there. She's helping. So she served God her whole life. Well, her daughter's health continued to deteriorate and she ended up in the hospital. And one day in the hospital, the doctors came in the room and they said, I'm sorry. We've done all we can do. There there is absolutely nothing else that we can do to help your daughter. Well, the mom was furious. I can relate to that. I can, understand. I, I, I can understand that, I can understand that mentality. With all the technology you have, with all the billions of dollars that goes into research, with all the stuff you've been given, you wanna tell me you have nothing? You can't even try nothing? You won't, you won't even attempt anything? I can understand that, y'all understand that? It's a child, right? So, so I can understand that part. But the doctor said, I'm sorry. I, I promise you if we would, we could. But it's in God's hands. Well, that didn't sit well with her. So that made her mad at God. God, you hear what they said? This is in your hands, God. I, I have served you my whole life. I have worked in the church. I have given you everything I have. I've never missed church. I've witnessed for you. I've worked for you. I've done everything that I can every day of my life. But but here's what she said. She said, if you take my little girl, I won't ever serve you again. Don't you talk to me. Don't you speak to me. I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to church. I'm not reading your book. If you take my little girl, I don't want anything to do with you anymore. And she's not the only one. We can do all we want to. She's not the only one. She's not the only one that was mad with God because they didn't understand. She's not the only one that was mad with God because it didn't go her way. She's not the only one that's been mad with God and angry with God and made threats against God. But the story goes on. The daughter began to show signs of improvement. She started getting better. And a few days later, she went home from the hospital. She made a full recovery. A couple of years later at school, she started hanging around the wrong crowd. 13 years old, she's doing drugs, drinking. 18 years old, she left home a drug addict. Drinking heavily, living a sexually immoral life. At 21 years of age, she took too much of the wrong stuff. Mixed with alcohol and it took her life. Here's the story that the mother shared at the funeral. Here's what she said. God knew best. God knew best. If I would have only listened to God. At the funeral, she told the story when my daughter was young before my daughter would have been at an age of an accountability. My my daughter was sick and it was a sickness unto death and, and my daughter almost died. And if I had listened to God for the past twelve years, my little darling would have been in the presence of Jesus Christ. If I would have listened to God, my daughter would have been in heaven for the past twelve years. If I would have listened to God, she wouldn't have been doing drugs. She wouldn't have been out there drinking. She wouldn't have been living this sexually immoral life. If I would have just listened to God, my daughter would have been in the arms of Jesus, waiting on me to get there where we would rejoice for all of eternity together. But I wanted it my way. And as far as I know, here's what she said. As far as I know, my daughter never accepted Jesus Christ. And because of my selfishness, my anger, and what I wanted, my daughter is in hell today. That's what she said. Now, we have no way of knowing if that's true or not. Number one, we have no way of knowing the the heart of of the person. But... We we have no way of knowing, is that why God healed or not? But one thing we know for sure, that mother believes that. One thing that we know for sure is that she had to live the rest of her life knowing that God knew best, but she murmured. I wonder in the eyes of God if we're any different than those Hebrews right there. I wonder in the eyes of God if we're any different than these who murmur and complain and whine. Wish we were back in the land of slavery. Wish we were back being beaten. Well, it would have been better for me if I just died back there in the wilderness. So I'm I'm reading the Old Testament and I'm looking at them murmuring and they're murmuring against God. And I truly just want to say to them, how many times? How many times did God have to show up for you? How many times did God have to deliver you? How many times did God have to prove himself in your life? But I, but I couldn't. Because I look at the man in the mirror and all I can see is how many times has God been there for you? How many times has God shown up just in time? How many times has God made a way when in my life there seemed to be no other way? There seemed to be no way out of it, but God shows up and make a way. How many times has God opened the windows of heaven and poured out blessings? Were were you not there? This, 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 this This is my conversation. Was I not there? Do you not remember how God delivered you? Do you not remember the red seas that he's parted in my own life? Do you not remember the wildernesses that he's done in your own life? Do you not remember the bread of heaven in your own life? Do you not remember the water? How many times do you not remember when God went behind you and protected you and went before you and made a path? How many times? How many times does God have to show up in my life? How many times has God overlooked your whining? How many times has God overlooked your complaining and heard your cry in spite of you? How many times has God forgiven you of your sins? And just kept on loving you, blessed you in spite of you. How many times? So I look at that Old Testament when I'm reading. Greg, you guys can come on. I look at that in the old testament. And I really want to say how blind. You right? What were you thinking? Couldn't you see all that God did for you? What were y'all looking at? How could you miss that? But it didn't take very long down memory lane. To see my own deliverances. To see God in my life just like he was in theirs. So I, I wonder right now if we look back at our own lives. How many times has God been there for you? Every time. Every time best answer. Every time. Let me ask you this. How many times do every time add up to? Has God ever failed you? Has God ever brought you to a spot and then left you there and said, I don't know how to get you out of this one? On the contrary, God's medicine, the spots that I got myself into, and said, Now, if you're ready to stand still, be still, shut up, and listen, I'll get you out of this. Agree? I just wonder how many times. Are you thankful? Are we grateful? Am I going to complain again? (laughs) Yeah. But I prayed every time I do, the Holy Spirit will will raise this question in my mind. How many times? How many times is it going to take? How many times is he going to have to bail you out? How many times has he got to show up and make a way out of no way? I want to ask you to stand where you are. These guys are going to sing. I'll be honest. I'd I'd just love for us, corporately, to take a few minutes and tell him thank you. Thank you for every time some of them times ain't too far away some of them times are in recent memory and some of them are way back but one thing we know god was there every time It's like andrew said he was there every time so can we just take a few minutes and just praise him just thank him you're welcome to come to the altar and pray if you want to come to the altar you can pray where you are i want to ask you real quick before these guys sing do you know jesus is your personal lord and savior and if you've never been saved, there's a gift waiting for you that's beyond imagination. Let me tell you a personal experience. The gift of God is not just the eternal life. The gift of God's right now. The gift of God is salvation that takes away all sins. But the gift of God is joy in life right now. It's joy in spite of the storms. It's light in spite of the darkness. I can't explain it to you. Somebody one day, they want, can you explain what it's like to be saved? No, I can't. You just have to experience it. There's no way to explain the joy and the goodness of God. Amen. If you've never trusted Christ, your personal Lord and Savior, you can change that today. Father, I'm a sinner. That's where it starts, confession of the lips. I'm asking you to come into my heart. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. I'm asking you to save my soul, and I'm asking you in the name of Jesus because he is the only way, truth, and life. He is the only name under heaven given among men whereby I must be saved. He's the one. And Father, I'm asking you in the name of Jesus Christ to save my soul. Forgive me of my sins. If you're faithful to ask, God's faithful to forgive. The Lord's faithful to save.